We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. joined by Carson Stafford and David Cole today. No Michael J. Focci. Once Focci heard the news about Tommy Shepard being relieved of his duties for the Washington Wizards as a general manager, he texted me and said, bro, I'm going to D.C. to celebrate. Washington is going to change the way they've been performing. So Focci's not here. And then we're going to call this the group chat podcast because David, Carson, and myself are in a group chat with our buddy Lincoln, who had to bail on us last second. I was waiting for that text all day because he had never really confirmed anything. So I was waiting for Lincoln to bail on us because that's what he's done the last couple of times when he's been invited. But I will say this, he has a good, valid reason this time. And that is because he is protesting tonight's Warriors-Kings game. He will not be watching after his favorite player, Draymond Green, was unfairly suspended for basically stomping on DeMontis Sabonis. So you know, we know that uh, Draymond is one of Lincoln's favorite. He should be, you know, really defensive player of the year every time if you talk to him. And then, you know, probably a second favorite player in the league, Steph Curry as well. Uh, just decided he's not watching it. He's out boycotting. He's protesting this game. And he said, NBA, if you're not going to let Draymond, my favorite player, play, I'm not recording a podcast about the NBA. So Lincoln is taking the night off. But with that being said, we got David, we got Carson. David, how's it going? Uh, it's going good. I'm I'm still trying to recover from that opening. Um, that was some good stuff. So yeah, no, I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk about the Pacers. We're in the off season. We made it. We won the coin toss. Not not coin toss, but you know, fifty fifty, whatever. Yeah. Um, and now we're just waiting to see what the lottery uh, gives us. And so we're ready. Yes, the the coin the coin flip was huge there for the Pacers, getting the advantage over the Washington Wizards. Carson, um, you know, you letting your hair grow out, modeling it after one of your Favorite college players, Drew Timmy. Talk to me a little bit, Carson. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm a little disappointed that uh, 
Lincoln couldn't join us. I would think that uh, if I can join on my birthday, that he could at least uh, join just, you know, let let the past die and uh, just move on to game three. Yeah. Um, so that's that's how I felt. But nevertheless, I'm excited to be here. Uh, and I'm very excited to be talking Pacers basketball. Yeah, you see that little throw uh, Carson put out there. Hey, it's my birthday. Wish me happy birthday on the podcast. Like, couldn't please, let it happen organically. Um, but we're not even worried about your birthday because it's Danny Granger's birthday today. So you can just hey, take a backseat. Danny. Uh, DG33, happy birthday. No, I'm just kidding. Happy birthday, Carson. Um, this is this is fun for me because I like messing with people. But with that being said, we're going to have a fun conversation today. Stuff we have in the group chat, I'm like, you know, this would be an awesome time to just kind of talk about this on a on a mic and record it because you can say stuff in a text. And now with the way text messaging works with Apple, you can edit your text, you can unsend them. You can't take that back once it's recorded and put out live. So, you know, I went back and listened to our episode we had last year with Lincoln and there were some very hot takes. Um, I put a couple of them on. Uh, I put one of them on Twitter about uh, Lincoln talking about O'Shea Brissett. It was pretty funny. But, you know, other than that, I think it's going to be fun just to get started into it. So we're going to start things off with the draft like we did last year. Um, assuming the Pacers don't don't jump into the top three, I think we all would kind of have a consensus top three here. So this makes it a little bit more interesting. We're going to look at people in the four to six range that you want for the Pacers in this draft. And so, Carson, since I picked on you more than David, I will let you get the floor first and uh, tell me which player you're looking at. So one guy that I would be excited for the Pacers, and this is a very common name amongst Pacers fans right now because we have this gaping hole at the four spot. Um, I think a lot of fans are kind of interested to see what we do there. And so I have Jairus Walker at that spot. Um, I am not, I shouldn't say I'm not out on the Thompson twins, um, but I am not, I'm not buying stock in them, uh, if that's uh, how you want to put it. I've tried to do a little bit of research. I've watched uh, some uh, overtime elite footage uh, from their games just to kind of see what the league looks like, what's the competition like. And I've and they show flashes. I get the hype. I really do. They're super athletic. There's a lot to love there. But in terms of both Asar and Amen, it's the whole league in general. There's just a lot of wackiness with the way the league's set up. Um, and I'm not totally convinced uh, that they're worth uh, – the hype this early on, especially if we already have kind of our one and two in uh, the future in uh, Tyrese Halliburton and uh, Ben Matherin. So it's kind of, I'm a little shaky there. And then just, I f I'm a little concerned that, like I said, like the league as a whole, isn't quite what it's uh, shook up to be. Um, like, for example, like, I don't know if viewers know this. I feel like we've talked about this before, but if you like in the bonus, uh, they do like a hockey thing where instead of shooting bonus free throws, a guy goes into like a penalty box for 30 seconds and it's four on five basketball. Or if the ball goes out of bounds, the ref doesn't have to touch it and like whistle the ball uh, live every time. Uh, and it's kind of inflating this stats, inflating transition basketball, which favors athleticism. And it's, it's such a different game. And that's not to say I don't think that either of them will succeed at the next level, but it has me a little weary to, uh, to kind of to just to take them this high. Yeah, for sure. It's a little bit of a different league. And I think the competition level is not nearly as high. I think they probably would have benefited from going to college or the G League in terms of just being a little bit more familiar with them, especially scouts. Now, I, I've heard from a lot of people that have covered this draft that these guys are mentally prepared and mentally tough and are ready for this moment. So we'll see how that plays out. 
I'm not going to, like you said, write them off because it seems like there's just, there's too much hype around them to write them off right now. But I do think that, you know, Jairus Walker is an interesting uh, uh, pick there because he is number four on my big board that I put out earlier. And he hasn't really, I haven't really moved from that. I feel pretty strongly about that. But David, is that who you had at number four? That was my my number one selection yeah. for this range. I think it needs to be said, if if some, if some freak accident happens and Brandon, and Brandon Miller falls to four, um, th- then take Brandon Miller. Yeah. But uh, yeah, assuming that he goes, that Scoot goes, and that Victor goes as your one, two, three, obviously Victor being one. Um, assuming those three stay as the top three, which most mock drafts have, I would have gone with Walker. Um, and I actually, I went ahead and put a second name, just assuming that somebody would take Walker. And I went with Asar, I think just because of the, the size difference there, maybe you could play three. Um, but I honestly just had the thought of like, literally just now while Carson was talking, that maybe, honestly, my preference would be if we're in that like four or five range, and Brandon Miller is gone, and somehow Walker is gone as well. Maybe we trade back, not like a lot, but maybe like just three or four picks. Hmm. Because for our next question, I actually have a couple of choices that I like um, more than you know the Thompson twins or Anthony Black or any other of the common names that you see higher up in that four to seven range. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, Sar Thompson's a really interesting one. It's kind of funny because a men feels like he was the highest rated one coming out. And like a lot of people are talking about his fit and stuff like that, but he's more of a point guard. And so I think the question with him is, can he play off ball and how would he fit with Halliburton? Or, and he can't shoot the ball either. That's a big yeah, thing there. Exactly. He, he has no shot. Whereas Soar, I think won the MVP of the overtime elite. Yeah. So that does give him a little bit of an edge. I think for mm-hmm. me anyway, especially on my rankings, because I had him in higher than a sore, but I actually am going to be changing that for my next ranking spoiler alert, uh, spoiler alert for that. But yeah, I think it's interesting that one name that didn't get brought up that I actually think will probably go in the top six, but he might be projected like seven or eight and he might be in the next tier that you guys are talking about. But that's where I have Cam Whitmore. I think Cam Whitmore might go top six and I think the Thompson twins might fall a little bit, but maybe, maybe, maybe Walker falls too, just because he didn't have great stats. But I think the yeah. nice thing about Cam Whitmore is like I've talked to some people about it and they say like he's a bigger Ben Matherin, which is like, is that going to be a, a <laughs> conflict of, you know, interest <laughs> a little bit because they both kind of play the same style. But I, I think that there's ways you can work around that. And I think that it's not a bad thing to have some of those similarities. I think that Cam is just much bigger and can play a little bit. I think he's probably going to be a better defender than Matherin when it comes to it at the end of the day. And a lot of people have loved what Cam Whitmore uh, has done and there's been some ups and downs in college i think every player has that so it's kind of silly to write them off for that obviously villanova didn't make the tournament this year which is a bit big surprise but i think he was out for a few months at the beginning of the season with an injury if i'm not mistaken so I, i'm not as deep into the weeds as there was last year about the draft just because this pacers team was pretty good halfway through the season where last <laughs> year we were yeah. like please just trade everybody this is awful so you know, I think that the more I look into it, though, I really do like him. But more, I think in the mock draft that I was a part of with Mavs draft, he was taken six overall. So, oh wow! So it would not surprise me if he does go that high, just because of his ability. But Carson, I was—I mean, I think we all kind of are very intrigued by Jarris Walker. And if you go under sports-reference.com, where they you can look at college player stats and stuff like that, they have a per forty instead of a per thirty-six, which I think is pretty funny. So it's like playing the whole game. Uh, his numbers there like 
are very basic. It's 16.3 points per game and 9.9 rebounds, but uh, 1.4 steals, 1.9 blocks, but only three personal fouls. And I think that's a big thing. If you can be a forward that can switch onto different positions, whether it's guards, centers, or whatever, and stay out of foul trouble as a freshman, yes, the NBA is going to be much harder than you know the the division that Houston is in or the conference that Houston is in. But I, I think that's a good sign of, hey, this kid's got some potential here to be pretty disciplined on defense. And if there's anything that this team needs to improve upon Carson, I think it's defense. So let's let's move on to the next uh, topic. Like you said, David, we are going to look at players seven to 10 range now, because there is a possibility yeah. the Pacers could fall back from seven to eight. If the Wizards jump them, they could fall back even more. So uh, I'll start with you again first, Carson, here on the draft conversation. In the seven to 10 range, who is the name that you're looking at? So, yeah, I was... You you jumped my gun with Cam Whitmore. I he's been a guy who I've been high on um pretty, since since he kind of came back from that injury, really before the season. Um, even though we hadn't seen him play, I just I liked his size and it felt like at that time that was there were still like a lot of guys who um I fe- it felt like at that forward spot, which that's kind of we knew that's what the Pacers would be needing. And so I did some like early season looking into what these guys looked like in high school, kind of. Uh, what the general consensus was on them. So I knew to keep an eye out for Cam Whitmore. So once he finally started getting minutes, came back from that injury, uh, I was I was like like you mentioned, he had his ups and his downs for sure. But there are times when you see him out there on the floor, and he might not have the best stats that game. He might have a shooting slump, whatever. But he will just make basketball plays on both ends of the floor where you're just like, wow, this guy has superstar potential. This guy is just doing things that he looks like the best player on the floor right now. And he's missed half the season, which for a big school like Villanova uh, and at that level that they're playing at is impressive for a kid that young. Um, and which I think Cam Whitmore, if I'm not mistaken, is one of the younger players in this draft he class. Is. So it's that that's exciting. The length, uh, I think he's about six, seven, but he has a really long wingspan. So uh, he has the tools to be very successful on both sides of the ball for sure. David. Yeah, I actually went, went a little bit off of Cam Whitmore. Um, I'd be happy to have him in that range. A lot of mock drafts I saw had him in a seven or eight spot. So that fit the criteria for me. But I, as you said, that can definitely change. There's still plenty of time. For him to go uh, higher, I actually for the Pacers would probably uh, now again preface this: not someone who watched a ton of college basketball, not someone who has you know read a lot of articles about different prospects, but based off of uh, some of the stats and um, the like, the height and wingspan, I would rather go Taylor Hendricks over Cam Whitmore. Yeah. And not that I think that he'll be better, maybe, but I just look at he's that a couple extra inches of six nine. He I think he does have a, a longer wingspan. Um, he also is uh, he weighs like twenty pounds less as well, so yeah. he can play more power forward. But he's going to be more like a modern four and not like a um, a bruiser. And not that not that Cam Whitmore would be that. Cam Whitmore is going to be more of a forward, but um, he's Hendricks being a little bit more lean. That was just exciting to me. Uh, and also he went to Calvary Christian high school. So I kind of had to pick him, you know, <laughs> did he really go there? Yeah. In Florida. 
Oh, I see that Calvary Christian High School in Florida. That's hilarious. Yeah. 34, <laughs> 34 <laughs> <Yes>. games, 15.1 <laughs> points, seven rebounds, 1.4 assists. Yeah. He had, a, he had an incredible year. There's no way that you can deny that. And I think that that would have been my pick too, David, because I actually picked him when I had, I think it was the eighth pick in this okay. draft that I did. I picked Taylor Hendricks there. But yeah. Yeah, he's climbing up my board. I feel like I want to pull a Fachi here and give a Fachi as I'm saying, I've got a crush and I'm falling hard because that's how yeah. I feel about Taylor Hendricks right now because he really has been so polarizing in terms of what he can do. And if you watch any of his film, you just see the athleticism, but he's at a smaller school. Like, I mean, UCF's not yeah. like super small, but it's smaller comparatively to some of these bigger power schools. Sure. And I, you know, it's really funny because I just told you guys today in the group chat, that last year I compared Ben Matherin's game to Paul George, which was a terrible take by me because they are not similar whatsoever. But I'm going to double down on my Paul George comparison, and I'm going to say that I think Taylor Hendricks reminds me more of Paul George for specific reasons. I think because he's leaner, he can. I think he's got versatility like Paul. I don't know if he's got the same handle as Paul, but I do believe like if you look at the makeup, they look very similar, especially if you look at the schools too. Fresno State's probably a little bit bigger than UCF. I don't know. That's kind of hard to say, but both like not very like talked about schools, not known for having great success, especially recently. But I, I think that is where the Pacers could really benefit from shoring up their defense. And if they stay in that six to eight range, I'm actually going to be happy about that because if Taylor Hendricks is there, they have to take him. I think that the Thompson twins, like we talked about, they're very intriguing prospects. The person I put down second was a sore Thompson because he was on the board between him and him and Hendricks when I could have taken that pick. Oh, and wow. I took Hendricks over Thompson. Yeah. And I think Thompson fell to nine. So it was it was a tough one because I'm like, I'm I think that the potential is higher for Asor, but at the same time, the Pacers want to win. And I think that you have to really consider that how he fits into the system. If you can get Taylor Hendricks on a rookie deal and he can really develop into something, I think you have to really consider that. So that's where I'm at with that. Um, anybody else in the top 10 that maybe we didn't talk about, Carson, that you want to bring up? Not specifically. I mean, there are other guys who I think could be great uh, basketball players and succeed at this next level. But I think the the biggest thing is this fit with the Pacers. I think that if you're going to take one of these guards, like we talked about with the Thompson Twins, you really got to swing for the fences uh, and and hope you get a superstar. So, And, and I don't see much of that outside of uh, – that in that closer to 10 range. So I think, um, I think we, these picks were, were excellent choices. David, any love for Grady Dick? I not in the five to seven, not in the four to, what was the range? I think it was seven to 10 range. Seven to 10. Not, I mean, if we fall back to 10, maybe, and everyone yeah, else is yeah. gone, I, I would be, I wouldn't be, I would be a little disappointed, but I more think, not, but not yeah. so much for the pick, more so just because we fell back. Like yes. if we picked him, if we picked him at nine and 10, a nine or ten, then Whitmore is gone. Hendricks is gone. Um, there's a third person that we mentioned earlier. Walker, uh, Walker. Walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if those three are gone, um, Asar Thompson's gone. You know, okay. Then you know we're going for Grady Dick, and we'll make the best of it. And you know what? With with uh, Halliburton, maybe he'll have the best shooting of his entire career, and and he'll be you know uh, you know all rookie second team or something. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so, you know, my, my disappointment and hesitation is not about him. It's about him at that spot. I would rather have, a, especially a more athletic forward and especially someone that I can be more hopeful about their defensive potential, because I, I think that's going to be a priority in the draft. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think there is potential there for Grady Dick to be a nice fit with the Pacers. But yeah. like you said, it just feels like it's a bit of a disappointment seeing the other players ahead of him that make a little bit more sense. And I think at this point, even Anthony Black makes more sense to me than than Grady Dick. And even though he's viewed as a point guard, I think that he's six foot seven. He's big enough where you probably would trust him to be more of a defender. Don't know if he would start right away because he does not have the three-point shooting yet to his game. But, I mean, he's a very smart basketball player. I'd like to see how he develops. I, I'm I'm not giving, like, off any vibes, but I could see a similar path for him like we saw with Jalen Williams at a Santa Clara last year for OKC. Just kind of like this person that everybody really likes is almost like a draft darling, but what is his range? I saw him in this draft, which was crazy. He, he was drafted fourth overall in the mock oh, draft wow. that I was a part of. And it was kind of a bit of, I mean, it wasn't kind of, it was a major reach. So yeah, there's no denying that. But I think that the best way to wrap this up is, hey, we still have picks at 25 or excuse me, 26 and 29. And we're still unsure about what that pick's going to be for the Rockets because we still technically could get it if the Spurs jump Houston in the draft lottery. But if not, mm -hmm. it falls to 50. So don't really care about 50 or 55. I don't think it's worth talking about those because at that point, I think the Pacers just try to get rid of those picks and sell them. But looking at pick, you know, 25 to 35 range, I guess here, I'll go to you first this time, David. Who is a one name that sticks out to you in that range? For me, I'd be hoping that Chris Murray is still there. Now, there's a decent chance he's not. I saw some I saw some mock drafts have him closer to the uh, end of the first round, beginning of the second round, and I had some that had him going like at 20. Yeah. Um. So he's been all over the place, and that's a pretty wide range, which I guess is not incredibly uncommon. Once you get out of the lottery, it's kind of a bit of a crapshoot. It's a little bit more of like, who do you like? Um, A combination of like, who do you like, best player available, you know what what's your what, what's your need you know, you know for your team and so for us i think someone like chris murray would be the number one in that in that general range i'd be hoping that he just keeps falling um and then we can get him there and, I, and it may not even be that crazy I, i'm not sure i haven't gone through I went, I went through three or four different mock drafts and saw a couple times that he was there so i was like okay that's enough for me to to say it um but if that changes the next few weeks and he ends up being being a, a lock for the top 20 25 then then you'd be hoping he'd fall somehow. But for now, it looks like he could be there. It's not a guarantee. Yeah, he's. I think he's a very popular pick. I actually picked him at 26 in this mock draft that we did as well. I'm a big fan of him. I do think that if you look at his statistics, though, the defense is not as good as you probably think. He's a negative in yeah. defensive win shares, box plus minus, and rebounding altogether. So he's a little bit older, too, but I think the Pacers probably want more of a mature player. And I think you're hoping you get, like, some version of Keegan, but we know that Chris is not the same level because if he was, he'd be a top 10 pick. Yeah. Six foot eight, 225 pounds. I don't care how old you are. If you're that big and you can do what Keegan did last year for Iowa, you're going to get drafted early. So I think that there's a reason why he's probably in the like late teens, mid, mid, mid 20s. I would be shocked if he gets to 27, 30 range, but I think 25, 26 seems very realistic for him for probably like his like later in. Like that's probably the furthest he'll fall, but. I uh, I figured somebody would put him down, so I didn't put him down. So, Carson, uh, who do you have in this range? So this range is a little tough because, like David mentioned, the, the later in the first round you start, you know, once you kind of get to that 20 range, a lot of times guys will have a standard deviation of five, maybe even ten spots, depending on the uh, mock draft that you look at. So I have two guys. Um, one guy uh, might not be as realistic, and that's Leonard Miller. I really like his size at that small forward spot. He's coming in from the – 
from the G League. So he's playing. Uh, I, I really like that path for that. That's an option for guys now mm-hmm. um, that they can kind of spend that time with that coaching, with that development style. So he's one guy I have my eye on. Um, and then another one who I might like uh, a little later um, than maybe that 26 spot. Um, I mean, and if we snagged him at 26, I would be excited. Um, and that's Derek Whitehead. Now, I know that he had a disappointing season, very disappointing season by most standards at Duke. Um, but I think that guys who fall are oftentimes worth a swing at this spot because at the end of the day, you kind of have to face it. And obviously, like I would take Chris Murray over him, I would take Leonard uh, Miller over him. But if he's there, in this range and you still kind of have to, I feel like you have to think about it um, in, in terms of his size. Like I've seen six, six, I've seen six, seven, um, but mo- but he is a, expected to kind of play that three spot, which once again, I think uh, is something that uh, the Pacers could use at that wing. Um, and like I said, anytime a guy starts to fall, I remember, I think it was in the 2018 draft when Michael Porter Jr. Started to fall. It's like, man, someone needs to, uh, trade up and go get him because it's like at the end of the day it's like you can you can hope that you're going to get an Andrew Nemhard every single year um, but a lot of times you're not going to find that diamond in the rough so if you even have a shot at that of a guy who is really highly sought after coming into this season um, I think you take it yeah what's really interesting about Whitehead is he was the number two you know ranking on ESPN's top 100 for high school players coming into the league and he's only going to be 18 you know, almost 19, it'll be like 18 and two thir- two, or eight months. So, you know, really close to 19, but he won't even be 19 by the time that he's eligible to be drafted, but did not have a great year, obviously, at Duke. Uh, the stat strengths on Tankathon say draft age, projected NBA three-point percentage, three-point percentage, and free throw percentage. Here's his stat weaknesses. I'm going to read them in order from uh, worst uh, to getting a little bit better, but Minus three in PER, minus three in free throw rate, minus three in two point percentage, minus three in rebounds, minus three in offensive rebounds, minus three in offensive block, box plus minus. We're going to keep going because there's a lot here. Two negative and off win shares, two in box plus minus, two in win shares, two in defensive rebounds, two in uh, field goal percentage, two in blocks, and then one in assist to turnover ratio, a, a negative in points, a negative in assist, a negative assist percentage usage. So that's a lot, but there's a lot of people that believe in him. And I think he did turn the corner quite a bit towards the end of the season. I think Duke as a whole turned the corner. Mm-hmm. I think it was just a transition period for this team. No coach K coach Shire, the new coach, and a lot of freshmen coming in. It just takes time. And I think that's why you're seeing like Kyle, Kyle Filipowski go back to Duke and, and not mm-hmm. enter the draft this year because good player. But at this point, you know, he's just not ready. So, Derek Whitehead, though, I think he I think he goes higher. I think someone's going to take a risk on him probably in like the teens would be my guess. So I, I'll go a little bit different here. I, I'm going to lean more towards like the back half of this and, and and pull up a name I haven't really talked about much. That's Jalen Wilson out of Kansas. He's a, a small forward, power forward, six foot eight, 225 pounds. He's 22 and a half come draft night. So he's a little bit older, but I think like we said, the Pacers want to win. They're not afraid to draft older guys. But I like that he rebounds the basketball. Uh, that's one of his big things there. Um, good at defensive rebounding and rebounding. Doesn't get in foul trouble. Has a nice projected NBA three-point percentage. And he shoots a free throw well. So I think that there's some positivity there with him. Probably could get him a little bit later than 32. But 
I, I don't think he's going to be there at 50. So you'd have to find somewhere in the middle to get him. But yeah, I, I love the names you guys brought up though. Murray, especially, and, and Leonard Miller. Those are the two guys that I had written down first too. I assume they would go because those are very popular names for that position. And then another name that I've brought up a few different times is Julian Strother as well, just because he went to Gonzaga. And that to me makes sense just because we saw how much they valued having someone play in that same system, Andrew Nimhart. And then, of course, I always forget the coach's name, but the coach at Arizona is from Gonzaga. He was their assistant. And they run a lot of the same offense that Gonzaga runs, and that's where Benedict Matherin was drafted from. So it does make some sense to maybe look at one of those West Coast teams because we know Kevin Pritchard likes to draft guys out of the Pac-12. This is like an ongoing thing with him, but, you know, Matherin, Pac-12, Duarte, Pac-12, uh, Aaron Holiday, TJ Leaf, EK Anibogu. So it's just like they've got an obsession with California basketball. So, or I guess should say West Coast basketball, but that Reggie is Miller. Of, yes, that too. I don't think KP was there for that. Draft, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's just like, okay, who are we taking out of the Pac 12 this year? So maybe we should have looked more at that. But um, with that being said, I think it's going to be a fun year for the draft. And I think it's going to be a good op- opportunity for the Pacers to go ahead and and find somebody there. So let's go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more free agency and potentially trade stuff after this. So we'll take a quick break right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. All right, everybody, we are back, and I just got a text, and Fachi is still enjoying the party um, where they're celebrating the firing of the uh, Tommy Shepard firing in, in Washington. But with that being said, we got David, we got Carson and myself here talking all things Pacers, and 
We're going to jump into free agency for the Indiana Pacers. And so I ask you guys to give me one key free agent that could have an impact on this team and the $5 million to $10 million uh, per year range. So this is kind of a tough task right here because you just really don't know what guys are going to be worth and what what how they fit into this team right now because you don't know the makeup of the team moving forward. But based on what you do know, we'll go with you first, David. Who was the, the one low-key free agent that could have an impact on this team? This was, in my opinion, by far the hardest question um, because of the projection part of it. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, these kind of players that are going to be in the 5 to $10 million range, they kind of fall into two different camps, generally speaking. Obviously not not in totality, but generally speaking, you're going to have young guys that are um, not like, exploding to the point where they're going to get like lots of money, but they're still maybe worth a shot. And so do, you know, some of those people... We may not really want because they don't fit our timeline or they don't fit our position of need. Um, but some of them we may want to see if, see if in our system with our players and that chemistry we already have, maybe they'll do a good job. You know, you're thinking of like a Neesmith, you bring someone like him in and all of a sudden he does a really good job with us. Um, the other kind of person that is in that probably the $10 million range is a veteran that's like, you know, getting in the twilight years of their career, so to speak. And we already have, I mean, they're free agents, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if we brought back at least one of Hill and, and Johnson back. So I that made it really difficult on top of the fact that you're already trying to project. And I feel like all three of my names are like not good. I have three different answers. So the first one that I think is maybe the most realistic, but still is not realistic, is Keon Martin Jr. Now he has a player, he has a team option. So I think it's maybe, maybe it's not a team option. I don't remember what it is. He has some kind of an option on his contract okay. that the team would have to have to like release him so if that doesn't happen then we can't even sign him uh and that was still the one that i thought was the most realistic that i think we could benefit from having someone like you know king martin jr um yeah the the other one that is i guess maybe more realistic just given the fact that i i do believe that king martin jr i believe he has some kind of a contract situation where the rockets would have to let him go um, not like really, not like cut him, but like they'd have to not take the option. Yeah, he's got um, a team option for the next season at one point yeah. nine million. So, so I they, would assume they pick it up. But if in some freak world they don't, then I then I want him. Yes, um, he's only twenty three, which was going to be really key for that. Right. And I agree with you. And he's an unrestricted free agent next year. So he, yeah, they're gonna yeah. Sign, if they're going to have the room to sign hard, and they can't be they, they can't. They, yeah, on. yeah, that's my thought. Um, so the, the realistic name then is someone like Utah Watanabe who like, I mean, like he's in that range. Yeah. I, I had him on my <laughs> list, a, David. Surprisingly. He'll be, free, he'll be a free agent. Do we he, think he's it, worth he $5 million though? No. That's where I don't think he's worth five. No, That's why not. I'm like, I don't like this pick, but I did write him down as an option. No. And then, and then my third name is someone that I think is going to be worth more than 10. So like it'll probably be between ten and fifteen, or maybe I'm maybe I'm way off. Maybe 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 he'll be worth more than fifteen even. Um, so I'll I'll just bring him up in the next conversation because I do think he's probably worth more than five to ten, even though he has not made very much money so far in the NBA. That's okay. all I'll say. That's all. That'll be my little tease about it. But that's all I'll say. Yeah. All right, Carson. Floor is yours. So I had one on the lower end, uh, one on the high, a little bit higher end. Um, and one of my low end might be really swinging low, but I, I can envision it in my mind, but we'll get there. So my my first one is Nas Reed 
from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And there are reports that he'd be seeking about 10. So I felt like he at least fit the prompt in terms of that requirement uh, that he might be available at 10 million. Um, and I, he, I don't know if he'd be willing to sign on knowing that he'd be playing a backup role to Miles. I don't know if he's going to be looking for a starting role. He's been in Minnesota playing in whatever's going on there with Gobert and Cat and that whole situation. So he's kind of been like behind the uh, whatever, like, like I said, whatever's going on there, no one really knows uh, what their goal is. But And he has some d- defensive weaknesses, but he's only 23. And I feel like there's he's shown a lot of flashes and enough promise to think that he could continue to, to grow and develop in that role. Um, so I think he's at least intriguing uh, at that at that spot. Um, and then w- even lower uh, than that, I think he's making about $3 million this season, um, which is he's actually a, a Pacers legend. We'd be bringing him back home, and that is George Niang. Now, George Niang, he's 29, not necessarily an amazing defender, um, but I think he could come in at like a thin power forward position uh, in – I could see a route where he thrives in a Rick Carlisle system playing next to Tyrese Halliburton and other guys who can knock down threes. Um, I can see him being a part of a pretty dangerous regular season lineup, maybe even like 15, 20 minutes a game uh, where that lineup can get a lot of points on the board very quickly. He's shot 40% um, from the three-point line his past five seasons in the league. Mm-hmm. So, And I think that would only go up playing with Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, I mean, he's good friends with Halliburton, too. That's one big factor with all of that as well. Um, I think they both went to Iowa State. So that's something to monitor there. And I, I know a lot of people have brought him up as a potential person to bring back because I feel like the Pacers just kind of quit on him way too early. I know they got him in the second round, but I, I don't get me started on some of the moves the Pacers have done and some of the ways they've just handled their players. It's been kind of a joke. But, um, you know, I'm actually – Kind of glad that you guys didn't mention this player. And it might just be recency bias because of the way he played in game one against the Golden State Warriors. But Arsenal Tech's own from Indianapolis, Indiana, Trey Lyles. I will tell you this. I was not a Trey Lyles fan when he came into the NBA. Obviously, he went to Kentucky, so that's a reason not to like somebody. You know, just because if you're an Indiana fan, why would you like Kentucky? But I just felt like he's been kind of a journeyman. I think he's been on six different teams now. And he's found his spot in Sacramento. He is an unrestricted. Is he, has it been five teams? Yeah. Five teams. Okay. So he's an unrestricted free agent, which makes him available. I think that he's going to play himself into a decent contract here. But by the way, he's performed this year. He's played 74 games this season, only 16.9 minutes per game. And he's not started one of them. I think he's a great bench player that could come in and actually help this team a little bit more than they have had at the four. I think he can play some small ball five, two um, shot 36% from three this year, which is pretty average, you know, uh, shot 60, almost 60% from two. So I just feel like he's a guy that can help you win. And the Pacers kind of play fast like Sacramento. It's a little bit different style, but they still play fast and up tempo. And I think he could fit in and coming home could be enticing to him. So Trey Lyles is a name that I am very intrigued by. I don't know if you guys had written or thought about Trey Lyles, but that is one name that I was intrigued by. I definitely considered Niang and Lyles, and 
I was trying to go more for on both of them a little bit, uh, someone a little a little bit younger. Even though I think that uh, Watsonabe is is uh is older than Trey Lyles now. Oh, um, man. with That's funny. Yeah, which is funny because I I definitely know part of it is 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 the Indiana background, but I definitely know Trey Lyles more than I know Watsonabe. Um, and with Trey Lyles, I didn't think about the fact that I wasn't sure about his contract in terms of how much he'll be wanting next year. Whereas I knew guaranteed, there's no way Watsonabe is going to make more than around $5 million next year. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good point. Carson, did you think that he'd make more than $10, Trey Lyles? Than $10 million? Yeah. I I don't see him getting uh, um, more than $10 million. I mean, you never know. Like, I feel like I feel like Jalen Brunson got, got the benefit of recency bias from last year's playoffs. Yeah. Um, just part of it was just the whole nature of that situation. So you never know. It's not – it's not – uh, uncommon uh, or out of the realm of possibility for a guy to play his way up into and jump into that next flight contract tier, I guess. So it's very well uh, on the table if, if the Kings can make a run and he has enough opportunities to prove himself. Yeah, he signed his last contract with the Detroit Pistons two years for $5.1 million. So $2.5 million last year and then two point six this year. And he, and he exercised that option. So He's going to be unrestricted. He'll be 28 heading into next season, I believe. I think he's 27 now. But 28, I mm-hmm. think that's pretty good age for this group. I don't think it's too old. And I think that you do need some experience out there. And I think the playoff experience he's getting this year makes sense. But, you know, I I, I think that he's – this is this isn't like a hot take, but I do think he's probably a better defender overall than George Niang. That is one of the big weaknesses with Niang is, like, the defense. I think uh, Watanabe is a very interesting player because he's played well against Pacers whether he was in Toronto or whether he was in Brooklyn. So he's a guy that I wrote down because of like, he's just kind of like this like frisky kind of like defensive guy can play a little, he can play bigger. Actually. I think they've actually played him at small ball five at times. So he is an interesting name. Now it's not really moving the needle, I would say, but it is interesting. And at five to 10, you're not really looking to move the needle that much, David, but yeah, uh, let's, let's go ahead and move on to a starter level free agent and I wrote I, I wrote down 15 to 20 million. We could say 15 to 25 if that makes it a little bit easier for you. But uh, I know you said it didn't when I texted you that back in the group <laughs> chat. But I'm curious, David, one starter level free agent you throw money at. So one of the issues that I kept running into was that when I would whenever I would look up free agents, they would give like players that had player or team options. Mm-hmm. That's part of why I had Kenyon Martin Jr. on my list. Like I was like, well, he has this option. I guess it could happen theoretically. <laughs> um, so there's a couple of players that I have that have player options that I am for one of them. I think it's almost it's probably it seems very likely he will take that option. Um, and that was Josh Hart. Mm-hmm. Um, if he for some reason does not take that option, I'd be interested. Um, but the, really, the one that I am most intrigued by, honestly, might be Austin Reeves. That's so funny to say, just because people feel like Lakers players aren't aren't uh they're they're overhyped because they're in the big market, yeah. right? But I, I don't I, think I, he is. I, I, I get that, and I felt the exact same way about Alex Caruso, and he's still been pretty dang good. And I felt the same way about Kyle Kuzma. And spoilers, but I had Kyle Kuzma on my list as well. He with 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 the player option, assuming he may, you know, he may decline the player option and then re-sign with uh, the Wizards. Who knows? But um, you know, that, that I, I definitely get that feeling of like, yeah, these players, and then they're playing with LeBron, so they're they're getting the benefit of playing with LeBron. Well, he's going to get the benefit of playing with Tyrese Halliburton. So 
Yeah. Uh, you know, like that's obviously he's not the brawn, but but Tyrese Halliburton is a creator for he helps other people create their their offense. And so like if Austin Reeves can succeed under one playmaker, he can probably succeed under another one. And he's still so young. So like that is just to me is very interesting. Uh and the fact that he's not a bad defender either. I know he's not a small forward, he's more of a shooting guard, but like he's playing really good in the spotlight and it just made me interested. <laughs> Carson? Uh, just elaborate a little bit on that Austin Reeves uh, thing a little bit. Like I, he is a good defender. Like I, I don't think, he, yeah. like, I feel like he kind of maybe even undersold his defense. He can play like he has yeah. a lot of defensive uh, capabilities and you're kidding yourself. If you don't think that Rick Carlisle would not, not love him, like, love like him. I, like Austin Reeves almost like he very, very well would fit the mold of a Pacers basketball player that would be loved by Pacers fans. I feel like, mm, yeah. um, but uh, Alex, in terms of my uh, free agent in the fifteen to twenty slash twenty five range, I am eyeing Cam Johnson up and down. Yeah. Like, oh okay, he like he forty percent three point shooter. He missed a lot of this early season um, because of he was injured, uh, yeah. and but he's still shown that he's still got it. Like, I'm not worried about the injury at all. Um, from the reports that I've been seeing is that like his floor is about 18 million. Uh, and so like, maybe there's a shot that's that, I don't know. Cause free, free agency is hard to predict. I feel like the NBA in general trade deadline stuff too, especially it's like, you might think like, we might think we know one thing, but you never know what's going to happen. Um, but if we're giving it a couple extra million up to 25, I really like the idea of Cam Johnson being our four. Uh, with running that spread offense with Miles Turner on the floor, Cam Johnson, um, Tyrese Halliburton, and whoever else we field. I, I so he's he's probably the number one uh, guy in that range that I'm looking at. Yeah, spoiler alert: me and Fachi will be doing a deep dive on some free agents that could make sense for the Pacers as the offseason goes along, and he is one of the names that we will be diving into. I think that he makes a ton of sense, Carson, for what this team wants to do. And like you said, that 15 to 20 range, I felt like he might get more than 20 million. So that's why I didn't actually write him down. Cause I think he's probably looking closer to 23 to 25 range. I just, I, I feel like that position is so highly coveted in the NBA yeah. and he's young enough. And <laughs> who says Brooklyn gets rid of him? I mean, they did trade Kevin Durant to acquire him um, in a lot of picks and Mikael Bridges, but he was a part of that deal. And I think that there's a reason why they were willing to get rid of Jay Crowder in a trade but not Cam Johnson. And so they could use him as an asset to do a sign and trade, depending on what direction they want to go. And there's so many question marks, I think, with what the Brooklyn Nets do now, because their roster is just a bunch of misfits, in my opinion. And they're trying to kind of figure it out. And they were already so good before they traded KD and Kyrie that their record, they really couldn't lose their way out of the playoffs. So they, uh, they're talented enough to win some games. But yeah, I, I do like Cam Johnson a lot, and this is why I didn't go with him. It's just, like I said, the money reason. So somebody I put now at the 15 to 20 million range, which I think you really would have to talk yourself into this, and that's what I'm going to try to do. Um, this guy is very annoying. Uh, he's a guy that everybody probably hates to play against, but he does make a lot of sense if you're trying to add some culture to this team. And you want a tough guy. And I talked about this today on Twitter. I want the Pacers to have an enforcer in this starting five, someone that's going to not back down. 
when when someone tries to get into with a Halliburton or a Turner or a Matherin. And that's and this is a guy that I usually root against, but I could find myself rooting for if he was on our team. And if you haven't guessed already, it's the crazy man that told LeBron sit down the other night. It's Dylan Brooks from the Memphis Grizzlies. Dylan Brooks, I mean, the worst part about Dylan Brooks is his inconsistent play. Uh, it's very similar to a former Pacer, Lance Stevenson, when he was in his prime here at the Pacers. But I do think that Carlisle can handle somebody that has a little bit of edge to him. He's already proven to be able to do that with the teams that he's had. And I think that Dylan Brooks, to me, while his numbers are, I'm not even sure what he's shooting this year. I didn't even look it up, but I know that Dylan Brooks was somebody I liked before. I think that defensively, he can play the two or the three. He's not afraid of anybody. And you you will have nights where he goes like one for 20, and you're like, please stop shooting the basketball. You're literally killing us. But I think that Carlisle's probably more of an enforcer in terms of, hey, quit shooting the basketball. And I just I just wonder how much he would want to leave Memphis, but I do think he's a big part of their culture and how they've kind of reestablished that franchise. And if you've heard the Pacers talk about any franchise they want to model, it's been Memphis. And I think that this is a guy that they could throw some money at. So, David, your thoughts on that and Carson's uh, Cam Johnson pick? I, I, I thought about it. I think he – I'm not sure he'll want to leave. Uh, he also is shooting a career worst 39.6% from the field. Ooh, and I just – whenever oh I hear – Yeah, from the field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's not from terrible. three, from, that's from the field. 119th and, in the league. Good Lord. So, and, and the thing is, like, I feel like whenever I hear anyone bring him up on, like, Low Post or Hoop Collective or these podcasts, um, they always say, like, great defender shoots 20 times and makes three. You know, like, just like, they always are just like, he just shoots so much that it ends up, to some extent, not, not, not every game, I'm sure, but, like, it ends up negating some of that defense if you're going to be terrible on offense and give up. Like, apparently, the game one, there was a, a time where he, like, they kind of got the momentum back. And he just like shot a like, a really well contested three with like 18 on the shot clock, mm-hmm. and then it like changed the whole. It led to a fast break for the Lakers and changed the whole the whole game's momentum back against Memphis when they had just been getting it back. And so like I don't know, and that's overthinking like one play on a on a in one playoff game. So I I just I I would prefer Cam Johnson. Um, I think I would I'd also feel more comfortable. Dylan Brooks is can be kind of a headache to to even think about rooting for. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Even like Lance Stevenson, I, I I notoriously have been more easily agitated and annoyed by Lance Stevenson's antics than most Pacer fans. Um, I love him to some extent, but also like he he's a lot like Dylan Brooks. That's a very fair assessment. I would much rather go for Cam Johnson. I think I didn't put him on Cam Johnson on my list because I was pretty sure he's going to get more than twenty. I think he could get more than twenty-five, just depending on the situation. Just, just, just depending on the, on the situation, um, what team wants him and how bad they want him. Um, and I'm not sure if I want to go that much on a guy that's this unproven. It kind of like also sets up a weird precedent of we're giving this guy twenty-five plus, and we aren't paying Halliburton hardly. Even if we extend Halliburton and give him the max, you know, ASAP, it's still going to be like, are we really, are, are we ready to give this team to like? Halliburton on one hand and Cam on the other. This is a brand new player. It's just it's kind of a weird thing when we've built through the draft a lot so far with the draft and trading from players on rookie deals. So it's like we haven't made this big move yet, uh, and he isn't a veteran really either. So it's kind of like that weird in-between area. And I definitely could see us pulling it off, but I thought he was probably going to be making more than the $20 million. Yeah. Um. So I just left him off my, my list. 
Yeah, and I'll just say real quick, like I, it probably does look funny on paper to be like, oh, this is our highest paid player right now for this season. But at the end of the day, you have to remember Halliburton, like you said, he's going to get extended. He's, he's going to be the highest, yeah. highest paid player next season in 2024. Yeah. So you have to really take advantage of that while you can, mm-hmm. especially with Mathern being on his rookie deal as well and Nimhart on his rookie deal. Duarte, Ajax, all these guys really yeah. team-friendly deals. And same with Miles. I mean, Miles' contract goes down to like $22 million, $21 million next year. So you do have a little bit of flexibility here. Yeah. And to pry away players from other teams, you're going to have to overpay. So that's the only thing. And it's like, is this guy worth the overpay? And I think that's where you kind of have to like – Swallow yeah. hard and say, yeah, but the, the Pacers mostly and notoriously have played it safe. They've never overpaid for a lot of players. I think last year going after Aiden was like the biggest time we've seen them go after somebody, but I don't think anybody would consider that an overpay considering that he was the first overall pick in the draft with, you know, experience making it to the NBA finals, playing a six game series and having to guard LeBron in like his third year in the NBA. So it's like, yeah, uh, I think that that just was a justified a little bit because of, him as a player but yeah it's a you know i i he's just it's just an interesting thing so especially with cam johnson like you said i mean he's he's a player that fits what this pacer team needs and if they can address that in the draft get somebody once again on a cheap contract maybe it balances out with what you give him but i think a sign and trade could make more sense for cam johnson with the nets because you probably can't do it you can't do it before the draft which just stinks because it'd be really cool if they flip free agency in the draft i think just a little bit. The NFL does that, and I kind of like that a little bit, so you know what you need going yeah. into the draft. But I think that you could make more deals that way where you do a sign-and-trade where you're like, okay, we'll give you picks 26, 29, and whatever. Maybe you just say Duarte or Buddy Hill or whatever, and then you get Cam Johnson back on this contract. Now the Nets have more assets, and they can do different things too, and they can make trades of the draft, whatever. I'm just saying it's just like it gives them more opportunities there. Instead, mm-hmm. your picks are already picked, and, and now you're like, okay, you want 26 and 29 and we drafted? That could be guys they don't even want. So yeah, that that's where I think it could be interesting if they flipped it. But uh, Carson, I saw you nodding your head a lot when I was talking about Dylan Brooks, and you lipped. He's on my list. So tell me why you uh, put him on your list as well. So – I put him on my list because I kind of I kind of talked about it earlier with Austin Reese, but he he reminds me of someone that would be in the blue and gold, uh, especially like on those uh, Paul George, Danny Granger, David West, uh, Roy Hibbert Pacers teams. Like he would bring that Indiana basketball, that blue collar gold swagger mentality, if you will, uh, to this team. And I, to be very uh, blunt and upfront, I can't stand Dylan Brooks, but. <laughs> Uh, I feel the same he, way, <laughs> but but if he was on the Pacers, I'm sure I would love him. Um, and I, I checked my phone today, and I saw what he said last night about about LeBron, and I was like, bro, I was like, the last time someone did that, it was Clay in the 2016 Finals. I was like, just don't like if you have a shot at beating LeBron, just beat LeBron and move on. You don't need to give him extra ammo. Uh, so I so his judgment. Uh, and decision making is suspect to say the least, but I do think he would be an exciting player to have on this Pacers roster. Yeah, it, it's more like the idea of Dylan Brooks is probably way better than the actuality of Dylan Brooks. But once again, I just think you need some edginess to this team, and it'd be fun just to see him competitive in a playoff series. Like, I guarantee you, every Pacer fan probably hates him now, but like you said, if there's 18,000 packed in Gamebridge Fieldhouse and he's up there you know, getting in the face of a Donovan Mitchell or even a, a Jalen Brunson or whoever the Pacers might play in like a first round matchup. 
yeah, you're going to like that guy. And so it's it's easy why Memphis likes him. But it's it's obviously not the sexiest one. I, I also threw out P.J. Washington. I just I don't think I can go on a podcast and not say P.J. Washington's name, even if I don't actually have him as my number one pick. Um, I just I've been so attached to him. So I feel like I owe it to the, to the listeners just to give PJ a shout out there. But um, we're going to go ahead and wrap up part one here of the podcast because we've talked draft and free agency. We're going to come back with part two, ladies and gentlemen, and this is where we're going to be talking trades. And to close it out, we're going to be also talking about sorry, before I get into that, we're going to do trades. We're also going to talk about this roster together. But um, and how we look at this roster and maybe some of the guys would be willing to move off of. But um, we're also going to do a Toy Story draft. Where we're going to be drafting toys from Toy Story to build our starting five. So that's going to be at the end of part two. So if you're excited for that, I don't blame you because it's going to be awesome. So go ahead. Uh, thanks for listening to part one. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be back for part two right after this. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 